Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast where we explore all things assisted reproductive technology and birth, apparently, sometimes. But Jen, before we dive into our interview, um, how how was your birth? And I mean, not yourself being born. How how was what? the birth of your child? The, the short totally, version. I totally remember my own birth. Oh wait, no, no, I don't. <laughs> Do you remember mine? Do you remember mine? Were you um, like? the sister i i actually do remember that when you came home i thought it was gonna be great and then i told them to take you back so because it wasn't great um because you were just a baby and you cried and like it wasn't as fun as i thought it was gonna has like has any of that changed none of that has changed is it i just cry i still still tell them to take you back yeah no my own birth was my own birth of my own child um, it was pretty traumatic, unfortunately. Um, it's a pretty awesome story, though. I think we should probably tell it soon, right? Let, let, we let's, let's promise that for next season. We'll drop yeah. our birth stories, at least one of mine. <laughs> I can do yours. Right. I would say you, you have a few more uh, than I do. Because I have four that run the gamut of hippie granola unmedicated in a hot tub to um, planned C-section, but, you know. We have right. it all. Yes. Um, okay. But yeah. uh, who? So, so I'm Ellen. Who are you? you are. So I'm yeah. Ellen Trackman. I'm an attorney specialized in assisted reproductive technology, and I am honored to work with and co-host this podcast with Jennifer White. Yay! Who is your sister? Who's my sister? Who wanted yeah, me to who go back? Yeah. Totally tried to send you back. So yes. yeah, no, that's all right. I'm I'm Jennifer White, and I am the owner and director of Colorado Surrogacy. Montana surrogacy and New Mexico surrogacy, and I, I sometimes I sleep in the middle there. <laughs> yeah, no, we had the absolute pleasure today to talk about birth and the all things surrounding the importance of care um, after birth. So, uh, without further ado, we'd love for you to listen to our our interview of Sonal Patel. We are here today with Dr. Sonal Patel, who is local to Colorado and has a very interesting story and journey of her career, which has brought, um, gone from traditional medicine to something more unique and interesting. So I'm excited to, to talk to you, Dr. Patel, and, um, and to, to explore your story. Um, please introduce yourself as, as much as, you, as you're, you're interested or willing to at this point. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, like you said, I am a physician and um, my training started in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm a Midwestern native. Uh, I went to med school at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. And Did you grow up in Nebraska? I moved there when I was nine. So uh-huh. essentially, yes. Um, my family's still there. I have a brother and my parents are still um, there. So um I'm always I'm always amazed at kind of the rest of the world is like oh Omaha like it's middle of nowhere but um several people I've met from Omaha are like it is the greatest place on earth like number one million like it's tons of millionaires it's amazing do you do you I feel mean, the same yeah I mean you can use your Warren Buffett's house is he hasn't changed his house right and so you can just go up to his house like there's no oh, wow. added security nothing and you're like that's his house so and did you um, do that occasionally. Like well, just, <laughs> we always drove back by it just because our school was there. Um, 
but it was it was like one of those landmarks that you pointed out to it um, to visitors. The other fun landmark was Council Bluffs, Iowa, is literally over the bridge, um, and they have a walking bridge. So you're like one foot in Nebraska, one foot in Iowa. So that was like always <laughs> fun to do. Too. So, um, but yeah, those little things, and I totally agree. Omaha is a great, great city. I think it's one of those hidden gems that people don't know about. Um, the College World Series is there. I mean, we have the second best zoo in the world. I've heard um, about the zoo. I've heard, I've heard that. I mean, it's it's amazing. And uh, it's just a very family-oriented place. Um, yeah. And another fact that people don't know, it has the most restaurants per capita. So there's a lot of restaurants wow. there. Yeah. Well, Thank you for coming on. Yeah. We actually just had you on to talk about Omaha, Nebraska. So, <laughs> right. right? Okay, so I did my med school there, and then my husband's a physician too. So we did what's called couples matching, and um, that made sure that we actually um, ended up in the same place. And that took us to New Orleans, and then to Boston, and then we moved out to Denver. And the reason we moved out to Denver was I just wanted a direct flight to my parents. So. Uh, <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> oh. But yeah, that was that's and. Um, the rest of me, uh, so I've trained, I graduated med school and I trained as a pediatrician and then I took three extra years to train as an ICU doc, um, as a neonatologist, which serves the newborn, um, babies and stuff. So we dealt with a lot of, uh, um, just a lot of different, um, diseases that came through in the ICU that time. So sure. it was a very, I'm sure you have a lot of sad stories and a lot of happy stories as well. It is just the most, yeah, it's just the most unique, I guess that's not even a word, just a unique place where from the get-go, parents, regardless of, you know, what their outcome is, they've handed you their baby to take care of. And unfortunately, in the ICU, it is initially a lot of, you cannot touch your baby for medical reasons. Um, And just to see... You know, from the flip side as being a parent and all of a sudden your baby's just taken away. And sometimes it is hours that you can't either A, see your baby or touch your baby. And that I think that um, that's one part that always got me, especially after I became a mom. So. Yeah, that's funny. I was actually just at lunch with a, um, a a nurse who was working the NICU, and I was complaining about when my last baby was born at 33 weeks and I got there. And I was like, I want to hold my baby. And I said, no, you can't. And she was telling, she's like, yeah, no, that's a normal thing that you can't hold your baby. And there's lots of good medical reasons for it. I was like, but, but it's my baby. Yep. Yep. So, um, but yeah, like you said, there's some great stories or some sad stories or some very moving stories. And it, it was a really fun place overall to work. And I loved that I had that experience because that experience tailored to what I did next and which I'm doing now um without that experience it wouldn't have propelled me to where i am today so sure so what did you do when you first moved to denver i worked at denver health um as a nicu doctor great and kind of explain your journey and what made you make a decision to to change and what then then what was that change yeah um so Around the same time I was having my children, myself, I'm a mom of four boys, and um, it's it's a wonderful and crazy household. <laughs> um, but 
um, just opposed working in the NICU and having my own experiences, I just started seeing the holes in postpartum care that we are providing to moms and babies. A um, couple of things in the NICU, what happened was that we started doing conference meetings with parents at um, one week if their baby was supposed to stay longer than 72 hours. And then at three weeks, if their baby was supposed to stay longer than a um, couple of months. And those meetings really kind of started showing the depression and anxiety um, within the NICU, within the parents. And on the same time, um, with my second and my third, I had postpartum depression. Um, wow. And so it was just those two things combined that when you looked at it and you said, you know, babies are going to be fine. They really are. They're very re resilient and they can actually, because of their development, they can actually overcome a lot of um, mishaps that have happened to them. But it's what the moms and the families that we are not supporting or, or unable to support to the fullest. Um, because the, if you can support a mom in, or a family, then you've given them the tools to actually encounter their adverse situation, whatever it might be. Um, even in the NICU or, you know, when you come home and you're dealing with little toddlers running around and you're still trying to like nurse a child at the same time. Um, all of that are just kind of life-changing situations. Um, and so based on that, my passion started growing for more of what we can do from that aspect of medicine. Um, on top of this too, um, started developing a breastfeeding program and realized that the history of breastfeeding and the what goes into breastfeeding is just not only put the baby to the boob and that's it, right? There's a lot more that goes into it and a lot of people just don't realize that. So fast forward to today. Um, so I have created um, these, it's an, actually an evidence-based research model. Um, a lot of European countries, um, healthcare models, a lot of um, Japan does this as well, is they actually provide care uh, and bring it to the house. So you have lactation people coming to the house. You have a nurse coming to the house after you deliver and supporting you in this period. Um, and research has shown that this actually reduces uh, postpartum depression by 30%. Wow. It, um, yeah, it, it enhances breastfeeding. Um, and in the long term, it actually um, influences infant and childhood development for the positive. So then you sit back and you say, why can we not implement that on more of a universal basis? Um, there are federally funded programs that provide postpartum care after you deliver. Uh, unfortunately, for the most part of it, you have to qualify either by your socioeconomic status or um, other factors. And then Kaiser does a form of it as well um, when they when they sent out their um, nurses and um, so forth. Uh, but it's not it's not it's not known to all, right? It's not available to all. And I guess it's my part of saying why not and let's do something about it. So, so I know they also do something similar when I lived in England. The NHS does something very similar to that as well, and they send mm -hmm. people. I think they send nurses out or midwives out. And a lot of the time, even at the late end of the OB care, they will send them to the home as well if they're having a pretty uneventful pregnancy. Yep. 
Isn't it fantastic though that you don't have to leave the house and right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it brings back that whole because see, I'm I'm Indian, and our culture is that for eleven days you don't get out of bed, and a lot of South Asian cultures have a kind of oh. a variety of this, right? The Chinese cultures has it like I think for forty days or something like that, but. If you reflect back, what it's doing, it's actually valuing the fact that you actually delivered a baby. It's actually valuing the healing process. So, again, unfortunately, that's a little missing in our society. Yeah, I remember after I had um, our daughter, my husband was deployed, so I didn't even have anybody at home with me. And I'd had an emergency C-section and then to get out and go to that five day appointment afterwards when I wasn't even really supposed to be driving and, you know, trying to carry a 10 pound, you know, I mean, 10 pounds between the, you know, the car carrier and the baby and everything else. It was, I, I would have loved to have somebody come to me because it was really difficult. Isn't it funny that like a C-section when you have a baby, it's like a nonchalant deal to society. But when you have abdominal surgery, there's always like this, don't hold this many pounds and don't yes. do this and don't do that. Right. So by the way, the baby already weighs right. all of that pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you end up having the C-section, right? Like right. most cases. So. Yeah. Yeah. So was there kind of a straw that broke the camel's back or something that kind of pushed you to be like, no, I'm going to... I'm going to change this. I'm going to offer something different. There was a lot of factors that played into the, the decision. Um, and it was just one of those things. It is the right time. It's let's kind of do this. Um, my husband's a physician too. And we just kind of looked at our lives and that actually factored into and said, this might not be going as what, how we want it to. So, and I was like, well, I actually have this passion. He's like, sure, go do it. Cause it gave us the flexibility. Also it gives, it gives me a lot of flexibility to be with my kids. I never have to be on call anymore. I don't have to go on weekends. And, um, and that's important too. It's a nice uh, work-life balance that I've been able to establish. So that's great. So tell it is tell us what it is that you you started and your model of care that you you've provide now. So it's called Naya Care, and the name Naya means renewal or sunshine, and it was always my girl's name. So, oh, I, so I was like, so like this is the name not? you had with this name, though. Yes, <laughs> exactly, because it was my baby too. Um, it's a newborn specialty clinic. So what we do, it's an extension of hospital care, and that's how we view it, um, and. When traditionally speaking in medicine, when you deliver a baby uh, two to three days after, when you leave the hospital a day or two after that, you're supposed to come back to your pediatrician's office for a weight check and um, a jaundice check. Well, we bring that particular visit back to the house. Um, I do lactation too as well. And so it's a 60 minute visit as opposed to a 15 minute visit. It's in the comfort of your own home. And we do the medical exam, the newborn exam, and then we spend a good chunk of time helping with feeding issues and making sure breastfeeding is going well. Um, Then we come out again at the two-week mark. And in Colorado, um, the state requires a newborn screen at two weeks. And so we come out and, uh, again, it's a 60-minute visit to do the medical exam, do the newborn screen now, and reassess where we are with um, feeding. Because around the two to two to three weeks there's a growth spurt that comes and parents just need to be aware that what all goes into that growth spurt and it's it's really tiring from the moms and just to 
hear that, that, you know, it's coming, you're going to be fine. It's just a hump. So that's a really nice visit. And lastly, because I suffer from postpartum depression, as I had mentioned earlier, there's a really big emphasis on maternal wellness. So within those two, two visits I've already mentioned, we're already automatically screening them to make sure that, you know, there's no red flags or signs that we're missing. But on top of that, at one month, either myself or my um, a licensed counselor will call them um, for a phone call. It's about 30 to 35 minutes. Prior to this, they've already taken the Edinburgh scoring test. So it's a really high yield conversation that happens to make sure that there's, again, there's no issues that is happening. Why the one month? Because postpartum depression peaks around four to six weeks. And in our medical, if you've had a normal newborn baby, you might not see your OB till six weeks. And then you're not, if you're seeing your pediatricians at two weeks, there's still that one, there's still that gap that we're missing um, a lot of these moms. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And so that's a scope of, um, that's the scope of, the practice itself. And again, it's all home health based. So we all come out to the house. Um, and it's been really, all my patients have been so inviting and just, they've recognized the value in it. And so that's just really encouraging. Um, and then thereafter, what's interesting has happened is that I've had moms tell me, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even lying. I'm quoting them. It's like, I can't break up with you. They have to have like, another baby just to see you. Right? Well, what I offer is like, okay, fine. You don't have to break up with you, but you can have, you can have access to me. Um, and then, and it's really, it's just, it's, we could, we figure it out however they want it. And I've had moms, um, call me from Hawaii about sleeping issues, about, you know, baby led weaning, um, growth spurts just and i think what it is is just just want to hear it again that they're doing a great job which they are they just need to hear it so well there's so many times as a parent that you just want some reassurance he's like a lot of the time i would be like do i take my child to the doctor right now do i not it's like if you had somebody you could actually call and say hey here are the symptoms you know what do you what do you think it'd be a whole lot easier you know it'd probably save people a lot of unnecessary urgent care visits too (laughs) right right yeah, definitely. Um, and again, it's, it's, I give them ex- my number. So they are texting me, they're calling me and that's totally fine with me. It's direct access. So that's yeah. great. That's wonderful. How does it work with our world of insurance being so, so complicated? Is it just completely separate? Yes. So I didn't want to deal with insurance. Sure. <laughs> um, that, is, <laughs> that was one thing that actually pushed me out of traditional medicine a little too is because with insurance, you always have to prove yourself of what care you're giving. And there's always a time factor. Um, and it was just taking away and chipping away at patient care, which is just, you know, that's a heart of medicine. It's patient care. Um, and so what I did is like, I decided that definitely I will give you what's a super bill or a receipt that can be, um, they can submit to their out of network for their insurance. And I've had some patients get between 60 to 80% back. Oh, great. Oh, depending, wow. Yeah, just depending on what insurance they have, right? Because it's kind of crazy out there. And then my charges, otherwise, it's a direct pay model, which is a little different than concierge. Um, 
the concierge position is uh, your physician for 24-7, seven, seven days um, a week. The direct pay model allows physicians to have hours, and my hours are 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. And I chose those hours because, first of all, I'm already up. Those are still intense um, hours, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. I was going to say. <laughs> well, actually, it's... it's it's totally, it really is fine because usually it's a quick text or a quick like reinsurance assurance thing. And I figured after those hours, um, being an ICU doc and being a pediatrician, if you have any concerns and worries, then you really do need to seek medical care. Like there's, there's no, you have to go to the hospital, right? If you think your baby's in that severe issues. Um, and so with the direct pay model, you can actually bring your prices, um, lower than what a concierge medicine is so my prices and i don't like to list prices is because when somebody calls me we can work with we can work with them we can work with all these options that's interesting so how i mean obviously we always like to bring things back around to our our world because you know this is the bend we're on (laughs) but i mean i I, I can see how it is, and I'm I'm just asking you a very leading question because I, I know the answer. But but how would this be useful, especially for surrogacy situations? Like, what what is your vision that this could be? How, how this would work very well with that? That's great. Uh, the way that I see it that works is that there's a lot I can offer this surrogate um, from the breastfeeding at standpoint from, I mean, she's gone through, there's going to be so many hormonal changes that are occurring. So she's gone through a process too, um, to make sure, make sure that those changes and the hormones coming down are doing fine. So more of the counseling, the, again, the breastfeeding part of it, um, depending on what the agreement is, is she going to pump or how long and, Um, so forth. Then from the family standpoint, I think this is just such a unique opportunity because not only families are, especially surrogate families, are international families, um, they might be local families, um, or they might just be part of the LGBT community in which they've they've had a hard time finding the right physician that fits them. And this is just a great opportunity to go on the other side of it and say, hey, this is a huge change for you guys. You've been through so much already to actually have this baby and just to adjust to like now you're having a baby, right? I mean, these families are not families that decided nine months ago that they're having a baby. These families have been through this journey themselves and then come to the house and be the pediatrician to be like, no, everything's okay. Your baby's okay. You're doing really well. Um, and to have that close connection with them. So that's how I envision it, that it's to help both sides of it. Um, and maybe sometimes simultaneously as well. So. Interesting. So you could treat both sides, even if they, we had like, if somebody had like a local or more local match, you'd be seeing both the surrogate and the parents after the, the baby is born. You can do it all essentially. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's excellent. Excellent. So do you have any stories from your time when you were uh, practicing in a, in a hospital setting about surrogacy and times that, that you got to see the impact of surrogacy through that lens? Yeah. So my social worker actually um, was a surrogate and she already had two boys of her own. She was a perfect match, um, healthy deliveries. And the family was actually from Europe uh, and she was carrying a daughter. Um, I mean, the, the family's daughter. And unfortunately, 
the baby ended up in the ICU um, at 32 weeks. Yes. Oh, Oh, wow. And it was, and myself and my social worker are still really close friends. And just to kind of see how devastated she was, because, you know, from her end, she's like, I'm supposed to carry this healthy baby for this family. Like I didn't Um, do my job, but of course it wasn't within her control. Exactly. Um, And it was, um, and the family was very sweet. Um, They had flown out, um, obviously. And then over time, everything worked out fine. Um, But to see it from, from her lens, how devastated it was for her. And then also this family who was coming from um, Europe into a medical system that they're not familiar with um, and how to kind of transverse it and like figure out their ways through it was very interesting. And I was like, I could, I could definitely see you as a huge advantage, especially in that situation where, you know, the couple might be used to having a doctor come to their house and that's what they know versus like, wait, two, three days after I have to like gather up this newborn and drag them across town and into this like, town. I don't know. Setting. Right. And, yeah. No, it, it was, it was, it was very eye opening. And again, going back to showing the deficits that we have in our medical system. So. Well, I think that's an amazing service and good to hear. Uh, how long have you had your practice now? Uh, okay, it's really brand new. I've had it since <laughs> I've had it since February. <laughs> so, are there others like you? I mean, this is this is really cutting edge, right? Um, thank you so much. Um, like I said, there are federally funded um, grants that you can get, but um, that's usually um, an RN run. Um, practice uh with overseas of um a physician at some point and then kaiser does it as well uh but i don't think there's any physician that's just concentrating in the postpartum period uh, and saying that we want to bring comprehensive care that is affordable that is timely to your home so i and there's home health services right there's you can have home health services especially in the adult medicine, you have a lot of those services, but not so much just in the postpartum period. Well, we like to think that our podcast is international and, you know, everyone's listening to it, but you, but you are actually in Denver. What is the, um, what is kind of the range that you'll travel to? Like, will you go to Japan or Australia? To see our <laughs> no? Oh, okay. No. <sighs> okay. I wish one day. <laughs> so, uh, no, my range is definitely the Denver metro area. Boulder, I've just, I just went up to Johnson, Colorado, which is farm country and absolutely beautiful up there. Um, I've gone as south as Parker and Castle Rock area. So I, I'm really open right now um, to where I will go. But in maybe not all the way up to China. She's like, but- within the <laughs> <laughs> Within the country, right? We're within the state also. Right. So. Well, and maybe, maybe. Omaha, maybe. <laughs> maybe. And hopefully with kind of the success and popularity and kind of seeing that evidence-based um, positive outcomes from this model, hopefully it will spread. So it won't just be you on the cutting edge of Denver, but also other practitioners kind of looking to to offer this service as well. So for those of you not in Denver, hopefully you can look around and maybe this will be offered in your area, if not already, hopefully soon. Um, maybe Dr. Patel, you can start a thing, you know, across, across right. the world. You could franchise oh, yourself. I'm just, just <laughs> growing you already. <laughs> that's, that's the hopes and dreams. 
<laughs> oh, but I think that's just, just an interesting point you bring up is because um, an, internationally speaking, the healthcare system is, is well, from our lens, we think of it as like, wow, it's amazing. And when you look at home, you know, like there are changes that we can make and there are actually physicians that do a similar model that I'm doing, but in a, their different field. And I think there's a push in medicine that's coming. And this is amazing to have this opportunity, but just to have people realize that, that doctors are fed up with the system as well. We don't want to spend 80% of our time bookkeeping. Like that's not what we went to med school for. Like that's ridiculous, you know? And so to actually seek out even if if you need a pediatrician that goes um, or an adult medicine doctor, there are doctors that are out there that are saying, you know, I'm kind of getting tired of this and I want to do a direct pay model or I want to do a membership model because I don't want to be regulated by insurance and I don't want to be regulated by a time factor. I want to take care of my patients. So, Great. I love it. Well, um, unless do you, do you other any interesting good stories? I have plenty of stories. <laughs> we love stories. What do you we love stories. <laughs> stories about babies are the best. So you're in the perfect position. <laughs> so I will actually tell you my favorite and personal story. Um, oh, I so, love it. So my first child was a C-section. It was a failure to progress. My second baby was we had stripped the membranes and um, uh, there was actually – a forceps delivery with a lot of complication and a very long oh, healing. Oh, but a VBAC. Yes, a VBAC. I was very proud of that. I wanted yeah. that. Um, so in my realm, I did not actually know what labor felt like because I was always prepped the labor was coming. With my third child, um, I had gone in a week prior because I had back pain. And mind you, let me preface this that I'm a an ICU doctor too. Um I had gone in and I was like, okay, it's back pain. And they said, no, you're fine. You, you can go home. It's like, okay. Then a week later, I was just having stomach pains and not contractions, but just stomach pains. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I felt that maybe I should get myself checked out. And I called my husband and he is an orthodox and he was doing surgery. And he goes, well, what are you doing? And I go, well, you know, I'm just kind of getting pains in my stomach. I think it's just a GI bug. Um, I'm just going to get myself checked out. That was Monday, and we were scheduled for a repeat section on Friday because of all my complications from my second one. From my, I will say it makes me feel a little better that even you, as a doctor, talking to your husband as a doctor, you're like, I don't know, maybe I'll get checked out. (laughs) Makes this regular folk feel better about. I don't know. So it wasn't even on my radar that you know I might be having contractions. So I drove myself down to Denver Health um, from my house there. It's 20 minutes, and I had about six of these little incidences. Um, and my mom's OB too, so I called her on the way. I said, "I'm going to go get checked out," and she's like, y- "You should be getting yourself checked out." She didn't tell me exactly what was going on. I presented to Denver Health, and. Um, and luckily, the security guy knew me, so I just parked my car. I go, listen, I'm having a lot of pain. <laughs> and he goes, no, no, doc, doc you, you go ahead. Um, their intake room is on the first floor. Their labor and delivery is on the third. Basically, I was um, I went from zero to 100 from the elevator ride up. Oh, um, wow. I know. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. This is And so my doctor comes in. And she's like, 
you know, uh, we need to take you for a C-section because that was on my chart, right? And I was just like, I don't think so. I think I need to have this baby. And yeah. And in my head, I'm thinking there's no way out of this. Like nobody's going to give me an epidural at this time. Nobody's going to push this baby back in. Um, So at four o'clock, my husband walks in the, um, the room. 406, I had my baby. Oh, wow. Wow. He barely made it. Oh, he barely made it. And then the best part of the story is 36 hours later, now we have two cars at the hospital. He he was supposed to come on Friday, so we didn't have any help coming in. So I put my baby in the backseat of my car and drove myself back home. <laughs> wow. Wow. So I was like, that, that was awesome. Like, I felt like a superwoman. <laughs> so, right? That's pretty amazing, so, actually. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was my that was my favorite story (laughs) and then but then you had a fourth one after that I did that one I had preeclampsia for so again my blood yeah my blood pressure got in the way and um I literally finished work on a Thursday the NICU was right across labor and delivery and um walked right to the labor and delivery and I'm going to put a plug in for Denver Health as one of the, <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. I've had the, I've had two of my kids there. Um, the Women's Children's Center at Denver Health is a hidden gem for anybody who's contemplating having a baby. Um, they have a midwife birthing center as well. Um, and their OBs are just fabulous. Um, OBs, midwives, the whole thing is, it's, it's a hidden gem. So great. Yeah. So yeah, those are the stories. So <laughs> And then in the it. yeah, and then in the NICU world, I mean, it's people look at us as like, why are we saving twenty four weekers? Or you know, the line keeps getting lower and lower. And if you ever come to one of our NICU family gatherings, you realize why we spend so much energy and time taking care of these kids because the joy that they bring us and the families is just fantastic. And I've, I've so, never heard that question, and that would. That someone say, why are we saving a baby that young? What? Like, save someone, do it, right? Right. No, but there is a there is a limit of viability too, right? That's always like, I mean, the NICU was created because John F. Kennedy lost his baby, and his baby was thirty five weeks. Um, Uh That's the history of NICU. I did not know that. Yeah. Also, NICU. That's a really recent. I mean, recent Mm -hmm. as an overall medicine world history. Exactly. Exactly. And thirty-five weeks—that's not it's not that early. That, in this day and age, that's not oh. early at all. At thirty-five weeks, at that time, the baby died of um, uh, surfactant issues. It didn't have enough surfactant in the lungs, and surfactant's a molecule that keeps the lungs open. Um, and that, honestly, a thirty-five weeker dying of that at this day and age is unheard of. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, so you're absolutely right. The NICU is is very I was gonna say Ellen and I both way. have had NICU babies and so we're both going what that's not even yeah, a no, I didn't know. <laughs> like, bigger, so. yeah. Yeah. Wow, thank you JFK I had no idea right. that, that was yeah. thing. my my history lesson of the day I had no clue oh I love medical history so I have like tons of history stuff if you ever oh, really here tell us another good medical history uh, story you might have yeah so do you know uh why phototherapy was done for jaundice no, why? No. So there was a nurse in England who noticed that the babies that were 
closer to the window. And so as, as in essence, getting filtered sunlight had less jaundice than the kids that were not next to the window. And go and behold, we realized it was a phototherapy, meaning the UV lights that were changing the bilirubin that can stain the brain to bilirubin that can um, be peed out. So that's where the history of phototherapies come wow, from. Wow, just by noticing the babies close to the window were better. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, oh, that's great. That's amazing. I, I also had a jaundice baby, so I totally like that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do a whole episode about like interesting medical facts and history. <laughs> exactly, right? Wow, that's really cool. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing this new model that you're offering to, to patients. I think it's incredible, and I think it will really help make a difference in, in new parents and babies' lives. And um, we appreciate you you taking the time to to share this with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a great opportunity. Lesson of the day: as those who turn to surrogacy or egemination know that there are often options out there that you might not have realized at the beginning of your journey. And I hope that this interview kind of shows that the options are available in terms of care after birth as well. I mean, I, I did not know this was an option before meeting Dr. Patel. So I was, I was excited to learn about it. I actually would have loved to have something like this. You know, again, when, when we do eventually share our birth stories, mine was super traumatic. I, I really could have used somebody to come and take good care of me and the baby right afterwards. Cause we were just in no shape to travel. So it would have been really awesome. But, um, but also awesome is when everybody listens to us and sends great fan appreciation feedback. We've we've got, we've gotten a lot of uh, uh, extra special reach out lately and a lot of appreciation and we we love it and and love hearing what everybody is and we actually would really love to hear what people want to hear from us. Uh, if you have any suggestions on who we should interview or who might be a great subject or what might be a great subject, make sure you give us a call at 303 303- 997-1903 or shoot either of us an email through our website. We, we really do do love that feedback. So thank you as always to Chris at Work at Bird Studios who makes us sound fantabulous. Thanks, Chris. And thank you all for listening. Bye.